More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Bold, reverent, and occasionally random. The Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast starts now. Our good friend Beyonce supposedly took $24 million to perform in the Middle East, despite the fact that she has been ridiculing uh, everyone out there for not being woke enough in the United States, Buck. I just want to know, Clay, are, are you somebody who celebrates Beyonce's whole catalog of of songs or you like me and get everyone mad at you apparently because you think good but overrated i i don't have a strong i i understand some people are like totally in love with beyonce i don't really have a strong opinion on her like rihanna is playing at the uh at the super bowl and i like rihanna more than beyonce right like if you told me you can pick five songs and i'm not talking about the entire catalog cuz i'm not one of these people who sits around and watches or listens to entire catalogs but if you told me you can pick five songs from either rihanna or beyonce i would go rihanna and so rihanna i'm going to be out in arizona doing the show cuz fox has a super bowl this year rihanna is the halftime performer and i'm actually kind of excited to see how rihanna's halftime performance might go so uh, we probably, I don't know if we've unleashed a whirlwind there I mean, with that take. Are they going to like wheel out the Rolling Stones again, you know? Who do you put think them out is there? better than Beyonce if you're anti? I like Taylor Swift better than Beyonce. I would probably say Taylor Swift. If I were power ranking singers, you know, women singers in the last 20 years, I'd probably put Taylor Swift in my number one seed. Who would you put number one? Uh, the greatest in my lifetime, I would say Whitney Houston. And but it's just a singer or like, do you really like that many Whitney Houston songs? Like, are you Clay, running around will, like listening I to will, the bodyguard while you work out? Excuse me. I will rock out to I'm every woman whenever <laughs> that comes on. Great song. <laughs> Did you see the uh, that there was a, supposedly a transgender uh, uproar about the song Natural Woman being unacceptable to them? Well, I know that, that uh, wasn't it. Who was it that did Shania Twain? Man, I feel like a woman. I believe you're not allowed to play that song anymore. Really? Yeah, I think there's it's a like problem. It's like offensive with that. to the transgender community. Yes. 
Uh, well, I, I can't because she didn't. Up. She didn't feel like a woman. Maybe she, or you know, one doesn't feel like a woman. One either is or is not based upon feelings. But we're not allowed to talk about that. That is um, when they started canceling. Uh, Baby, it's cold outside. I was like, literally, they're canceling everything. Here's what we well, didn't even plan on this, but do you still enjoy Michael Jackson music? I have gone all- back and forth with people on this many times. I think Michael Jackson is now. I think the legacy is so tainted that it feel that it actually feel and that's a very high bar for me with artists meaning yeah. like you have to be it has to be really bad for the art to be so tainted by the person you know i i still think the pianist for example is a fantastic movie or the pianist um but obviously if you know about the director you know you might have but oh, i don't even know about the director Oh, yeah. Like, oh, I, yeah. I mean, like Kevin Spacey, I would not enjoy, um, and Bill Cosby, right? There are lots of people out there that have been uh, certainly uh, wounded. I, I, think, I, think Cosby's at, I think Cosby's at that same level. Like, where, you couldn't enjoy the Cosby show now? Like, you'd think uh, twice about it? When Bill Cosby's, I think like, cutting the, cutting the cake and stealing a piece. You're like, I can't, I can't watch this anymore. I'm willing to put aside uh, as much as I can to enjoy art for what it is. And not take the politics or the history of the individual into account too much. But I, I do think that there's a line. And look, I think Michael Jackson has one of the greatest song catalogs, certainly of, of the modern era. And just in terms of the, the tunes themselves, I think it's I think it's hard these days to, you know, would, would anyone go to there used to be like Michael Jackson theme nights at a bar that I know. Oh, I mean, I'll York. give you one that I'm that I'm deciding right now. Uh, Cirque du Soleil has a Michael Jackson performance you know Cirque du Soleil has like eight different Michael Jordan uh, 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 Michael uh, Jackson performances and my kids love Michael Jackson songs like they grew up listening to uh, to those songs and we're going to be in I'm doing the show tomorrow uh, Thursday and Friday in Vegas because the kids have a dance competition Mm -hmm. that they're in and I was thinking like Hey, maybe right. maybe I'll take him to the mic. Because how much kids stuff is there in Vegas? So I, I th- by the way, I that's I don't know. I don't think I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I I, I think that's a tough one for me. Uh, you know, you're, you're you're the dad, so you've got you've got dad hours in. You've got experience making these well, kinds also, of decisions. Your kids. At what age do you sit them down and be like, Hey, there are sexual assault allegations against Michael Jackson. You know, do I right. sit down my eight-year-old and explain that he can't like bad because and it's, uh, yeah, the assault allegations, as we know, I mean, they're rape allegations against minors, so it's about as heinous and serious a crime as 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 yes. can be committed. Um, so that's I will say, if we're creating a standard here for when you can, I think if it doesn't cross the line into criminality. I think I can. I'm usually okay with it, oh, and yes, I think certainly. if it doesn't I mean, cross, with, yes, no, no. What I'm saying is, you know, if somebody's re- like Tim Robbins, I love the Shawshank Redemption, even though Tim Robbins might have the most annoying politics on the planet. Yeah. There are some others that are like, but like I can separate that stuff. If you get a DUI or you know the the, the kind of crimes that you know normal people were imperfect, but once you get into you know r- r- anything like murder. So you would take Michael Jackson off your like if you had an iPad playlist or whatever you would. He is on none of my Spotify playlists right now. I can. What about your? What about your fiance? What about Carrie? I'd have to ask her. I don't. Yeah, I I mean, actually, I'm genuinely curious. I I know that she finds Taylor Swift's politics so annoying that she's nope, not on, not on the T Swift train. Yeah, well, I, I I like Taylor Swift, even though her politics are awful, and I would go see a concert if I didn't have to pay twenty thousand dollars to go see a concert of Taylor Swift, but. 
we had to make this decision during because the documentary on Michael Jackson came out and we on the morning radio show, my sports talk radio show, we played a lot of different music. Same thing with R. Kelly. Now, R. Kelly, because he's still alive and can't and and was found guilty, I can be like, okay, I don't need to hear Trapped in a Closet episode 47. But Michael Jackson, I feel like because he died and he wasn't able to defend himself for those documentaries. He was never found guilty in a court of law, which his defenders are always going to bring up. And, you know, they'll say, what about the presumption of innocence? The presumption of innocence as it per now. I mean, I'm, I I don't find their case persuasive, but I'm just saying this is the case. That they I make. think that that's kind of what I'm going through in my head right now with the Cirque du Soleil in Vegas, because there's a lot of things for kids that are wildly inappropriate in Vegas. So I was like, OK, what things out there could the kids go see? And I'm like, oh, the Michael Jackson Cirque du Soleil. But do I, do I have to sit down with my 12 year old? What age do you have the conversation about the allegations against Michael Jackson with your kids? Even uh, like a circus back in the day, I mean, you know, Cirque du Soleil, Circus of, of the Sun, but even the old school circus, which you would think would be among the most family friendly fair possible, right? You know, the, the yeah, lion yeah. tamer. I and took the my Elephant oldest City. kid to the like traveling circus back in oh, the day. Oh, but people get very I don't upset. think there are traveling circuses anymore. That's I think what like I'm band, saying, Clay. Right? People get very upset about the circus as an enslavement of animals that is inherently abusive because of the travel and the close quarters and the the training they go through so even the the old school animal circus a lot of people a lot of people when do did not they like ban it. the circus because my oldest is about to turn 15 and i took him when he was three or four so this is something that's happened in the last decade like you can't go to a circus anymore in the united states yes they don't exist I know. right it's because the animal rights activists are they won. they're well they, yeah they get they get very they get very upset. look i mean an elephant doesn't really want to be whipped and told to sit on a stool. I will say, I think that they're, I think that they're on to something with this, and also that the quarters. It's not like they're in the Bronx Zoo in some massive environmental enclosure that's supposed to look and mimic like their natural habitat. They're moving around in rail cars, basically. So no, I, I get understand. that. But if the, if the logic applies for the circus, I would think it would apply for a zoo too, right? Because nobody would prefer to be in enclosed. Uh, yeah, Clay, that's the next level. That's the next level. Gosh, we're going to get sponsored by PETA if this keeps up. Um, <laughs> people think that zoos, unless it's a specialized breeding program to keep an animal or it's a semi-domesticated animal, um, people have a lot of problems with zoos too in in the animal animal welfare community. So I just come across this stuff because I love dogs a lot. And when you talk to like dog lovers, you know, and you see what they're what they're also supporting a lot of time online, I'd be like, oh, we need to end zoos. You're like, whoa, I thought zoos were the that good guys. That seems aggressive. I mean, I don't know what they would do with all the animals in the zoo. Would they release them back into the wild to immediately be killed because they've been living in captivity forever? I don't know what you do with them all. Well, see, that's also the problem is that, okay, I mean, I guess it's better to be, you know, it's better to be uh, out there. Um, you know, there are house cats and there are wild cats, right? But if you're a wild cat, you know, the neighborhood, the neighborhood uh, mutt might get a hold of you. And if you're out there on the on the plains of, uh, you know, the jungles of the Amazon or the plains of Africa, you get eaten real fast. So yeah, I don't, they know have, how... don't have a lot of survival of the fittest skills coming out of the uh, zoo. I would also almost guarantee you that where I live in the red states, they are never shutting down zoos. And actually, there would be a huge business advantage because if the blue states started shutting down all their zoos, all the blue state people would travel to the red states to take their kids to the zoo. You know, you know how you're a Civil War nerd because oh, yeah. you went to Civil War camp. Yes. I went to Bronx Zoo Camp, Clay. So this has been in me for a long time. I went to a camp at a zoo. 
where we just walked around and we actually got to like hold and, and there's and, a Bronx know. Zoo and a Central Park Zoo. The, like yeah, the Central Park Zoo is like really a place where you have cocktails while you watch the seals splash around. It's very small. It's very kind of it's the a Bronx th- Zoo is a big zoo. Like the Bronx Zoo is zoo. a massive you know massive complex with uh you know a whole other level it's more like i think like the san diego zoo i think is a really tremendous zoo but i don't know maybe we need to have a zookeeper on i'm jack armstrong he's joe getty we're the armstrong and getty show we cover the stories the mainstream media ignores stories that are important to your life and important to the world the election of course the many trials of donald trump couple of wars gender bending madness why are kids looking at so much social media and we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on, but we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck. You hear the music as we are coming in from the break there. That is the Top Gun primary soundtrack song, and it has been nominated for Best Picture along with Avatar, Buck's favorite, which has now gone over $2 billion worldwide. Avatar has sixth highest grossing movie of all time. Now, admittedly, they don't adjust that for inflation. Um, But, Buck, when... Hold, hold on, I'm important, important Avatar yes. question. Yes. Avatar one was trash, and I'll fall on my sword. I don't care. I just I'm never, never going to budge on this one. It's a garbage movie. I know it made a bajillion dollars, but it's a garbage movie. 
Do they charge twenty dollars? Or is this the three D thing again, where they're charging people I don't special think fees? Three D, but I, they definitely put it on IMAX. I watched it um, out in Park City with my kids, and we were in a state what I would call a standard, you know, like movie theater, and you know the cost was normal. But that's why when they say like the highest grossing movies of all time. It should totally be inflation adjusted because certainly we're talking about 10% inflation. I don't know how much movie ticket prices have gone up lately, but it costs way more to go to a movie in 2023 than it did in 1933, I think. So comparing it to I remember, the wind is not that fair. Yeah, I remember going to movies with my parents in New York City growing up and, and it was like $7 for adults and then they raised it to $9. And yeah. It was like, oh man, that's getting expensive. I rarely, if ever, go to movies these days. Um, it's like a once a year or every other year event for me. I feel like I've been to movie theaters where it's like $25 a person, you know, and, and if you get some popcorn and some sodas, go to the movie, it'll run you 100 bucks for a family it, of four. It definitely has gotten way more expensive. Uh, we go to the movies quite a bit with the kids. Like, I'm looking at these movies, the Oscars, uh, best pictures. I have seen Top Gun. I've seen uh, Avatar. Did you see Elvis? I've heard Elvis is not bad. And you, did you watch All Quiet on the Western Front? Didn't you say that was pretty oh, good? Oh, on Netflix? It is yeah. excellent. It's it nominated for Best movie. Picture, too. I heard it was good. Yeah, that for any of you who you know think uh, you know enjoy a very good, very realistic uh, war movie, uh, All Quiet on the Western Front is really exceptional. And then my wife ordered The Banshees of Insurance, or I don't even know how you pronounce that. In a shed? Oh, uh, it was awful. I mean, I, I like almost all movies. This was the most depressing, awful movie that I've seen in a long time. I don't like to be a hater. So that's why I love to give credit where it's due. The Top Gun movie is amazing. I hope it wins Best Picture. That would, I think, reinvigorate they movie They should make it the Best Picture. A, a lot of people, just the notion of a great, super entertaining, well-made movie that everyone can love and that is not meant to be a lecture on some political issue of the moment. Uh, so I would love that for Top Gun. I think that All Quiet on the Western Front is amazing. And I don't mean to be nasty, but I just think Colin Farrell is the, maybe the most overrated actor of of our generation. I've never seen him in anything where I didn't think he made this movie kind of worse. And I, I thought he, he was, was actually pretty good. It was just the most awful. Did anybody else on the show in the background here see the Banshee? Did anyone like this movie? You can tweet. I me tried to have a Sexton family movie night with this one. I played that, you know, with my parents and Carrie and my brothers. Uh, we played the trailer and everybody was like, nah, not doing it. It was the right call. I mean, it was so depressing. It was awful. There's people chopping their fingers off. I mean, I, and like I, I had to go pick up my kid halfway through uh, and Laura and I were watching it and she was like, do you want me to pause it? I was like, just watch it if you want to. I'm out. I was actually glad to have to go drive and pick up one of my kids. That's how bad it was. What? So so you want uh, obviously Top Gun. Is there anything else on the I mean, the everything everywhere all at once with 11 Oscar nominations I have been so I've tried to get Carrie to sit through that movie with me or to start that movie it's with me the several times. Odds makers expect it to be the best picture. And and I'll just say that every time we've tried, we look at the trailer and it just looks so strange that we've we've kind of bailed at the at the last minute. So I just I, I, I think it would be a huge statement if Hollywood would put Top Gun Maverick in the best picture seat because nobody watches the Oscars anymore. Because by and large, a lot of people haven't seen these movies, and they reward like these yeah. usually very left wing, like 
uh, you, you know, not very enjoyable films. And so I feel like if they gave Top Gun Maverick the best picture, yes, all the movie purists would be upset. But I think it was like Titanic won best picture like 25 years ago, right? It used to be in our youth that the movie that was just the most awesome movie of the year, a lot of the time, won the best one best picture. That was a thing. Braveheart, you would have seen Gladiator. it in the theater. Like it was not uncommon. Gladiator. Like you're you're right. Like movies that people genuinely went and see and liked won pretty regularly. And the last ten years, it has been like the the, the wokeness awards for yes. a lot of the Oscars. I mean, they, they come up with movies that went. I never even heard of these movies, but you're right. If they want to make it relevant again, how about pick a movie that's relevant to people, as in they go see it. Good how idea. About Tom Cruise has never won Best Actor. If you're the greatest actor of your generation, shouldn't you win? Sundays with Clay and Buck. Buck, I don't know if you've ever been on this ride, but if you wonder how woke all of our world has become, Disney World, uh, down in Florida, has shut down an amusement park ride, Splash Mountain, that is one of the most popular rides, maybe the most popular ride currently at Disney World. Yesterday was the last day that it was open because they have decided that the ride is racist. I'm not making this up. And I know probably a huge percentage of you out there with your kids or your grandkids or as you were growing up have been on this uh, this ride. It is a water ride. Uh, I'll describe it this way. If you have been ever down in Florida when it is 90 degrees with 100% humidity and you are walking around in Disney World, this is a long water ride that is air-conditioned that ends with you being able to get a little bit of water on you, sometimes more than that, but uh, it's like a you know the log ride where you come down at the end with a big drop. And it's based on Br'er Rabbit, Br'er Bear, like all of these Joel Chandler Harris uh, Uncle Remus stories from the 1800s, which were wildly popular, originated, I read all about it at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, the movie Song of the South, which a lot of you probably have heard, zippity doo da, zippity a. It's a fine. I mean, it's one of the most popular Disney songs out there. Comes out of that movie. Was made in the 1940s. Disney has decided, based on some tiny cadre of complainers, that they are shutting down the ride. It's going to take, I believe, years to remake it, and they are going to remake it now based on this Princess Tiana and the Toad movie. And it just makes me want to pull my hair out in fury that we are now deciding that amusement park rides are racist and have to be removed, even though there is, I will tell you this, Buck, not one single iota of racist thought that would possibly come out of white, black, Asian, or Hispanic people who have ridden this ride ever. I, I, so I've never, I've never been on this. I think my parents would, they could fill me in on this i think they took me to disney world when i was like five i have basically we no were a disney world family we would go camp this is what my parents wanted to do on vacation we would stay at fort wilderness so i grew up going to disney world and i've obviously Ooh. taken my kids there well that sounds great my dad used to take us into like the middle of the the north woods in like minnesota canada area and we would do portages where we would carry our packs and our canoes for like three miles at a time. Yeah. And I had blisters the size of my palm on my feet. And I'm like 12 years old. That was my vacation. Yeah. So not really, you know, I would have liked Disney World. I'll just put that out there. But anyway, yes. um, I don't know. 
So do you remember? I have no recollection. See, my question about this is, one, couldn't they have just have made some adjustments to the ride? Or is it just the fact that they're like, were there were there things that were considered insensitive or racist that happened during the ride? Or no, was it just the zero. association? I mean, are association. you just on a log that goes into water? Yes, that is right. You were on a log that goes into water. It is the association of Br'er Rabbit, who came out of these 1880s, uh, you know, African-American folktale. It's actually black history, right? So these were oral folktales, which were shared in the South, um, and they were written up by Joel Chandler Harris and attributed, I believe, to Uncle Remus in the 1880s. So these were African-American folklore stories about Br'er Rabbit, who was a smart guy, like, and his hijinks compared to other farm uh, and, and, and wildlife, right? And so I guarantee you there is not a single human alive who has ever gone through on this ride and thought, oh, this is racist. So they're shutting it down now for years. There was Buck, like a four or five hour wait because so many people are upset about this ride changing because it's been there for like 25 or 30 years now. And there are a lot of people who have the experience over that time of going through with their family, of experiencing it. And now they're doing all too often what happens at Disney and other entertainment companies. A few woke activists complain about this. So they're shutting it down now for years. And you're not going to be able to ride this ride ever again. They're, they're canceling an amusement park ride because they think it's racist. I think that the era of amusement parks in general is is not it has passed. I remember like the late nineties, especially when the weather was good. Remember Six Flags Great did you was Six Flags oh, Great yeah. Adventure a thing you used to see ads for? Because that was up in the northeast. Yeah, they had one in Atlanta. I think it's still okay. open there. I would occasionally go there. And there were always the whole thing was do these rides. It's like you may not make it out alive. Which yeah. now I'd be like, good heavens, that sounds yeah. that sounds risky. But you know, these rides where it's like, oh my gosh, it's so scary and extreme. Uh, I, I'm not an amusement park guy, especially because the notion of anything that involves spinning around or getting dizzy, there was something at Rye Playland, which I used to go to when I was a, a, a camp counselor, and I went to a camp for years before that in the New York area, and we would have one day a year in the summer, we'd go to Rye Playland. There was something called the Brain Scrambler, and you were moving in a circle, a big circle, in like a, sort of four people on a on a almost like a flying saucer, and the flying saucer was spinning. So you had so you double were, spins. A double spins. Spinning and spinning. This, to me, I forget about waterboarding. I, I, I would tell anybody anything with this. I, I don't know why anyone pays for this, enjoys this. To me, you know, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a boring fellow. I like my creature comforts. Well, so I like as a dad, and my wife would say the same, in Florida, even recently, I was at Universal Studios. I was at SeaWorld. I took the boys uh, and we went to Magic Kingdom, uh, which is Disney World. And I do find it to be really enjoyable. And I understand from a business perspective that you constantly have to be updating the park, right? So rides get outdated. Rides are no longer popular. But they're shutting down at Disney World. Probably the single most popular ride at the Magic Kingdom, not based on lack of interest, but because they have decided that the ride is racist. And I just think it's everything that's wrong with our society today that we're allowing these woke losers to win constantly. Keeps happening. Keeps yeah. happening. Because 
uh, unfortunately, activists don't have to be many. They don't have to be representative of, of any broad opinion. They just have to be annoying and perhaps a little defamatory of an organization, of a person, and that has the, the intended effect. And, and you know, I, I know we talk a lot about wokeness and, and all this stuff, but what victories are we scoring in the other direction? There are some. There are some. I will say that, uh, for example, Ron DeSantis recently was being pushed on the rejection of an AP African-American studies yeah. curriculum in the state of Florida that would have taught. I believe there was a there was a, a queer theory section of it. I mean, very, you know, CRT woke stuff. And he's saying, no, you're not teaching that in the classroom in, in Florida. We have we have statutes, we have rules about what you're going to teach in the classroom. So there is something that can be done. But I still think that on balance, unfortunately, wokeness keeps racking up wins. And we're just beginning to wake up to the fact that it never stops. Right. It, it never it, stops. And not only that, Buck, I think, and this is the important, this is maybe the most important part. I think all of this diversity and inclusion BS, and this is one of those times when I wish I could curse, it actually is making things worse and dividing us more. And that is, I, I believe that all the data reflects that there is more racial tension now, white, black, Asian, Hispanic, in terms of our national discourse than there certainly was in like 1995 or 2005. And so are you going to argue to me that America is more racist in 2023 than it was in 1983 or in 2003? I think that's crazy. So why do we have this perception that it is? I think it's because we're dividing people and diversity inclusion actually does the opposite of what it's intended to. You see the uh, fun fact up on the news story about Splash Mountain? People were trying to sell Splash Mountain water on eBay. (laughs) I mean, it's crazy, but there is such an affinity for this ride that for people who are going to Disney World, I know there's tons of people out there listening to me right now that are utterly disgusted over this because of what it represents, but also because a huge part of going to Disney World, Buck, is the nostalgic factor. You're not alone on this one because people, again, going back to the news reporting over this, which has been pretty substantial, uh, people waited up to 220 minutes to go on Splash Mountain one more time. Yeah. Almost four hours in line. By the way, that for me is theme park hell. That's why I don't, you know, Six Flags, all this stuff. I don't like being in the line, getting sunburned neck, the whole thing. It drives me crazy. So, And again, I don't I, I don't like standing in line either. I don't mind. Some people are out there, why do you... Like, I don't mind if some old rides are tr- transferred out, transitioned out, because they aren't popular anymore. But Disney is actually ending the most popular ride in all of Magic Kingdom because they have allowed a tiny cadre of losers to convince them that this is a racist amusement park ride. Just not true. And I think it's important for people to stand up against the crazy. I really do. Sunday Drop with Clay and Buck. Earlier I mentioned my Aunt Paris, 100 years old today. And Buck, I asked you if you could sign up for an age right now. And you would be like, I'll take it. For me, it's 90. 
if you told me, hey, you're going to live to be 90, and I don't want to live to be 90 and be, like, really unhealthy for a decade, right? I mean, like, fairly healthy. You told me I could go to 90. Like, I would sign the paperwork right now. No questions asked. Is there a number in your mind where you'd be like, okay, I would take this one? I think I think anything past 80, you're kind of playing with house money. Yep. You know, and anything past 90, you got to count your blessings. That, that's sort of my my sense. You know, if you make it to 80, you got you, you went the distance. And I know a lot of people, you know, go much. Obviously, your your yeah. uh, your aunt's uh, 20 years beyond that. But I'm just saying, if you're looking at it, like what what is a what is a life well lived just in terms of duration? Anything that gets into 80 is uh, is a blessing. All right. So I shared an article with you about this guy who sold his company for eight hundred million dollars. And he is spending $2 million a year to basically try to biohack his body and preserve his longevity as much as he can. He's 45 years old right now, and he is spending, like when I say $2 million a year, not only for what he eats, for the supplements that he's taking, for the training that he's doing, but also like they're aging his organs, by which I mean they're like, okay, your liver is the equivalent of, you know, a 38-year-old uh, and whatever else, with the idea being that he's going to extend his life. Can, can I give you some of his regimen? You will, yeah, yeah. yeah for I'll, I'll tell you some of this guy. This guy's Brian Johnson. He's 45 years old. Uh, he wakes up every morning at 5 a.m., takes two dozen supplements, works out for an hour, drinks green juice laced with creatine and collagen peptides, uh, and well, and then he wears glasses before he goes to bed that block all blue light for two hours, constantly monitors his vital signs, undergoes monthly medical procedures to maintain his results, including ultrasounds, MRIs and colonoscopies. Yeah. Yikes. Um, those aren't fun. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's trying to just like do the, I'm going to live forever thing. Um, I do have some news for Mr. Brian Johnson. Look, I wish him a very long, healthy, happy life. Although he's a vegan, which is, I don't know. I think that's kind of its own form of torture. But it, a, a, people love it. People love it. And they're in great shape and they're very happy. I'm just saying for me, I couldn't do it. Um, he's not going to live forever. I, I can guarantee him that. Well, this is kind of what Tom Brady has done, right? Tom Brady has tried to biohack his health. To the extent where even though he's 45 years old, that was his initial goal, I think, to play football till he's 45. Now he may think, I can play till 50. He's trying to push the expense. And if you look at the guy, and I don't know all the stuff that he does to look his age, but Brady looks like he's 35, right? Like if you just saw Tom Brady out and you didn't know he was a famous football player, you wouldn't think that he was 45 years old. Well, I, I also think that one of the things that we, we deal with as a society or, or people are realizing is that a lot of our jobs require to be sedentary long hours no physical activity high cortisol buildup right yeah by the way being a radio host is one of them yeah um, no doubt and that's you know that's very there's a health depletion that occurs if you're an investment banker a corporate lawyer uh you know accountant pulling long hours a doctor in the er you know this stuff all takes a toll it takes a real physical toll and, you know, this is why people get back pain, they get hypertension, they get all these things because stress is killer. Stress is terrible for you. So everyone just needs to relax, man. Go, go do some prayer, some yoga, go for a walk in the woods. Live in the reminds now, of, Clay. Live in the now. Reminds me of what Rush used to say. Everybody who just ate carrots died, uh, too. So, <laughs> I mean, that's where you get into this balancing thing. $2 million a year. 
But are you really living when you're trying to prolong it? I think it's a fascinating question. Sunday Sizzle with Clay and Buck. I am like a character in the Matrix. Clay is like a character in the Matrix. We're online in the interwebs space all the time looking at stuff, trying to find all the most interesting stories and clips and cuts and, you know, hot takes and you name it. And it is rare that I find myself seeing something that has gone totally viral where my response is just, what the heck is this? And I had one of those over the weekend, right? I mean, you know, you'll see things that are surprising or crazy or or whatever in the general news sense. But, Clay, I came upon something I did not. I had no idea this was a thing that even existed. I had never heard of this before. And it does, I believe, roughly fall into the realm of sport. So I wanted to ask you about this. I saw video of, like, burly dudes... Standing uh, across, like, like you know, what's the show, um, Family Feud? Like, they're at a Family Feud podium, and they're going to be like, hey, like, things you take with you to the store. But instead, they are slapping, the, literally slapping the you-know-what out of each other. They're actually slapping each other as hard as they can across the face. And this is apparently some kind of a league now. It's like MMA, but with slapping only. What, Clay, what is going on? So Dana White, who runs the UFC, is behind this. And I believe it airs on TBS. It's only been out for a couple of weeks now. But you're right. They basically stand. It's almost, if you remember, I'm sure you do, because the 1980s Over the top. Movie, over oh, yeah. the top. Yeah. Uh, the arm wrestling competition, where they stand basically on the little, you know, there's a little kind of table in between them. And... I've watched it a little bit because the guys are getting knocked out by the slaps. I don't understand how it isn't beyond a significant factor who gets to slap first, right? Because it's like a duel. If you shoot first, you a lot of times have an advantage. And if you take one of these slaps, even if you aren't knocked down, it has to diminish your ability to give as hard of a slap back once you've taken one yourself. But I mean, I it's saw open a guy, hand slap for people. Yeah, out there. Open hand slaps. I saw this, this, cause you know, I saw this clip and I said, wait, is this really a thing? And this, yeah. I, I didn't know this is a Dana white thing and that it's a league now, but there was some guy who was just, I mean, the side of his face uh, looked like a, like a puffer fish, like a blowfish. you know, like it was just swelling and swelling up. And I'm like, and he keeps getting whacked on that side of the face. And there's, I mean, there's video of some other guy who gets knocked out cold and his, his hands are kind of shaking. People are saying that could be a sign of neurological damage. Like, is this catching on? Are people, are people you know, enjoy, enjoying this? Uh, what, is, I, what is happening in the world? I don't know what the longstanding success or failure of this will be. But, you know, one of the great all-time business moves was the UFC in the 90s was bought for $2 million, I believe, by the Fertitta brothers. $2 million. And then they sold it for $4 billion, if I'm not mistaken, to Endeavor, the big Hollywood talent agency. And, and honestly, it's been a super brilliant move by Endeavor to buy it for $4 billion. My, and, and the reason why you could buy it for $2 million, Buck, 
was because at that time, John McCain and people like him were saying that UFC was human cockfighting. And they went and they got it regulated, weight classes, all these other things. And now the UFC is very much like boxing. When I watch this slap fight stuff, I can't help but think you're one hit away from basically the sport ending forever, right? Because if you, I I cannot imagine how much you'd have to pay me to take one of these slaps from these guys. Because I think I would. Die. I don't think there's an amount of. I don't think there's an because when you. By the way, people are thinking it's not a slap like a stage slap it's not back Will in the days Smith of theater. Slap, which was it is, not. It's think of like a like a 280 pound guy named Oleg who just showed up from Siberia who is winding up with the full force of his arm and the noise and you can see in slow people do these slow motion videos too where the whole face kind of yeah. shakes. I mean, it's <laughs> Clay. It's the craziest thing. I've ever seen that's supposed to be somehow kind of normal? Yeah, it, I don't know whether it's going to last because I think it might be too violent. Because at least in the UFC or boxing, there is the concept of keeping your gloves up and protecting yourself in some way. This is, it, it's a lot like dueling because you just have to stand there and yeah. take it. And you just take the punishment though, right? In UFC, if someone gets, you know, if they can't defend themselves and they're not... You know, they jump in and they stop yeah, the fight they tr- very yeah, quickly. Yeah, they try to stop it, yeah. This is just straight-up punishment over I and agree. over. It's crazy. It's it's absolutely bananas. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, it it would have been been the podcast would have taken a a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. 
Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Sundays with Clay and Buck. We've got our friend Rob Smith in the house, and he is the host of Can't Cancel Rob Smith, which is particularly true if many of you subscribe because then they can't cancel Rob Smith. He's uh, also a veteran of the United States military. He's an author. He's a friend of mine, friend of Clay's. With us here, actually, in studio in New York City. Rob, great to have you back, man. Great to be here, man. In studio in New York City. Yes, yes. while we still can have in-person things in New York, I'm starting to get a little worried. Here is the Fouch. Good data now that if you were infected with BA1, you really don't have a lot of good protection against BA4-5. And in other countries, particularly that have BA4-5 anti-dating hours, the reinfection rate is clear that that's the case. But the overall principle is that we know immunity wanes with coronaviruses, whether that is natural infection or vaccination. And so if you've been infected or vaccinated and your time comes for a boost, that's when you should go and get the boost. And I might say myself, having been someone who's been vaccinated and infected, when we get the next round of having vaccines available months later, I will be in line to get another boost after that. You know, they, they've also had the CDC say, uh, say, Rob, time for your fourth booster in advance of the new variant that will certainly come about this fall. And Pfizer saying we're going to have an updated mRNA for whatever that is. Yeah. It'll probably they'll be a year behind nonetheless. Fauci is saying the pandemic is still here, folks. Get ready for boosters forever. And the Biden administration is extending the emergency because there's a lot of money involved in all this. I know you've been digging into where some of the money's been going. Yeah, you know, look, there's a lot of money involved in it. There's also a lot of control in this as well. And and I cringed when you played that clip because I thought that I'd never heard that sort of scratchy voice ever again. But it, this is very interesting where some of this money has been going, right? Uh, and remember, when Joe Biden was pushing this to the American people and in Republicans and, and some conservatives were saying, oh, what's about, you know, what's up with all this money we're spending, maybe we should slow down. He said they want to get in the way of you know us saving lives. Okay, let's talk about where some of this money has gone. Um, Fifteen uh, million dollars in the American Rescue Plan project grants to institutions across forty nine states, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, right. So um, the Rochester Museum and Science Center in New York got fifty thousand um, dollars for a field trip for third grade students that will utilize the Take It Down exhibit, which tells the story of a community led effort to remove remove racist artwork from a historic carousel as a tool for anti-racism education, right? So this is the the CRT stuff and all of that stuff that our taxpayer dollars are going to. So, so money that was COVID relief money from the government went to taking kids on a field trip to learn about the racist carousel. Absolutely. Oh, wow. oh, and it gets even better. So the Studio Museum in Harlem, and I've actually been there. It's a great place, right? But they got $50,000 to build a nine-foot bronze statue in Marcus Garvey Park that, quote, addresses black masculinity, stereotypes, and shared diasporic experiences. So, look— I don't care that these institutions are doing these things or whatever. I do care, but that's not the point. The point is that all of this money that we were told was going towards saving lives is going towards this far-left CRT-based absolute nonsense. Well, you know, and Clay, that's why the fact that Biden administration is formally extending the yeah, state right. of emergency 
it's in a large part of this is Medicaid funding. There's like a Medicaid. Effectively, you can't kick anyone off the Medicaid rolls anywhere, as I understand it, as long as this COVID state of emergency exists. Yeah, no, it's wild. And Rob, by the way, I don't know if you heard us talking about this earlier, if you've seen the stories, but Josh Hawley, senator, was questioning a UC Berkeley law professor and she said he was being transphobic when he said that only women can get pregnant. You're a gay guy living in New York City. Yes. I'm curious, how much conversation is there in the gay community about how crazy the transgender community has become? Well, like, the- when you guys sit around and talk and, and you hear, hey, you're supposed to be saying men can get pregnant uh, as a part of the transgender agenda... What is the gay community conversation like just among yourselves about things like this? Well, the thing about it, Clay, is that and I'm glad that you delineated the uh, the separation between gay and trans. These things are not the same at all. But what's going on right now is this. So you have a great deal of gay people who are actually not insane. They actually believe in biological sex and, and all of these different things. But they are afraid to sort of stand up against the radical left trans activists that have sort of taken over everything. Right. So it's always left to the gay community conservatives or the gay right-leaning people or whatever to actually stand up and say the reality that is on everybody's minds. And and what I say to that is that it's going to be up to the gay and lesbian liberals that are still sane. There are some of them. They are absolutely terrified um, to speak out about this because they don't want to be canceled. Um, Obviously, like I can't be canceled. It's the name of the podcast, right? Um, But you know, these people are so afraid to speak out, but if they don't start speaking out and taking control of that narrative, it'll never change because, you know, gay, conservative, Republican-leaning guys, whatever, like me, uh, we've already been excommunicated for speaking the truth. And the most annoying thing is when some of these gay and lesbian liberals kind of come up to you and they whisper like, oh, you know, I, I, I agree with you secretly. But I can never say that because, you know, I still want to get invited to the cocktail parties and, you know, I've got an MSNBC <laughs> yeah, right. contributorship that I got to worry about. You know, uh Rob, Macy Gray stepped into this uh, arena of discussion last week. And it was just amazing because she she just said what we all know, which is, she says, look, a woman is a woman. You can't just become a woman. There are realities here right. we have to deal with. But then the way that she had – it's not enough to just say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean any offense. It has to be this walking around self-shaming of, you know, I've really grown and learned as a person. And she has to be I've educated. Just, that's right. Need yes. to be educated. There's a very Soviet re-education feel to this. Yes. Like, I didn't realize the depths of my ignorance. So not only do they force you to bend the knee, they also they, they insist on humiliation for people who say what is observable fact. Absolutely. And it is humiliating. And I remember, you know, I I talked about this on my podcast a little bit. Um, When Macy Gray came out with this, I said, okay, so T minus five, four, three, two, one, until she apologizes. So either she is going to be forced to apologize. She's going to be forced to bend the knee to these maniacs um, or she won't. Right. Because you see JK Rowling has not apologized. He's actually doubled and tripled down in her support for the protection of women's biological spaces. And what they have done to her, is criminal. The Harry Potter kids that J.K. Rowling made multi-multi-multi-millionaires many times over. They've distanced themselves, et cetera, et cetera. Um, So it's sad to see Macy Gray back down on this, but, you know, this is what the activists do to people. Rob, last question for you. Buck is newly engaged. Yes. He's trying to get back in great shape in time for the wedding and and the honeymoon and everything else. You are in phenomenal shape. I'm not in that great shape myself either. 
you it's beach season as well for everybody out there yes you only can give people one or two exercises to do Mm. which would be the one or two you would say are the best for people to be embracing okay so i i'm a real i'm a really big fitness nut i'm not going to give people an exercise but i'm going to give people two concepts to sort of wrap their brain around first okay is that a six-pack is built in the kitchen not in the gym so work on your eating and drinking before you start working on anything else and second like i've been telling buck heavy weights and high protein helps it's going to feel like you're eating so much protein that you can't can't even eat anything else but when you're doing that and lifting you're going to burn fat you're going to look incredible so i've been spending months for the for the audience benefit here doing things that i used to do a lot when i was in better shape uh deadlifting and you know the bench and all these all these things and and what i find though is you're always in this people say make sure you hit enough protein but you also have to be in a caloric deficit and yes. i'm 40 and it just feels like wait Eating more is going to mean that I'm not in the caloric deficit. So how do I – and Rob is telling me, no, you just have to be very precise about the foods you're eating so that they are full of protein and you stay within your macros – and now I just want to eat some ice cream and give up. But anyway, <laughs> no, that's that's the thing. You got You got to get out of the ice cream, the pizza, the beer, all of that stuff. You got to think about how amazing you're going to look in that tux on your wedding day. Those pictures that you're going to be looking at forever, by the way. And then the honeymoon, the beach, all of that stuff. Just keep that stuff in your mind, Buck. Can't cancel Rob Smith. And if you listen to his podcast, folks, can't cancel Rob Smith. You also will get some very helpful. Workout and general life tips, etc. Rob, always good to see you, man. Thanks for coming to hang out in the studio. Thanks, guys. Good tips. Try to follow them. Unfortunately, beer, pizza, ice cream. It's like 95% of my diet. Don't, don't, I don't, you, think I'm don't you eat in a bologna good way. sandwiches on Wonder Bread for lunch every day? Turkey. It's turkey and cheese. Show Sorry. some respect to the turkey, uh, turkey business. Yes, I do eat a lot of turkey. Um, so I don't know if that's good or bad. And uh, we were talking about Taco Bell earlier, Buck. You're not even going to be able to get the crunchy or the soft tacos at all in time for the big events. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.